Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is a show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Ricardo, Minister to the Prospect International and Elizabeth Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And I'm thankful that God allows us to share His Word with you today. Whether you are at home or driving your car, I pray that you will be blessed by today's show. This week, uh, we're following the theme, Contemporary Israel and Ancient Prophecies. Is there a link? And the big question for today is, was God's purpose for Israel irrevocable? And I'm here with Pastor Gary in the studio, and he'll be helping us answer this question. Gary is the pastor of Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church um, here in Adelaide. Welcome, Gary. How are you? Yeah, look, uh, uh, I'm great. It's great to be able to be here to to, to spend some time uh, in God's Word this afternoon. Uh, A wonderful feeling. That's great. It's such a wonderful day today. Oh, look, I tell you, you know, Adelaide at, at this time of the year, really something. I, uh, uh, I, I just, uh, going out, uh, this morning again and, uh, uh, just, uh, perfectly, um, uh, perfectly clear sky, uh, not a, not a cloud anywhere, uh, and, uh, a few planes coming in, <laughs> uh, but, uh, the sun was just gently rising in the, in the east and, uh, uh yes. that, uh, that flock of, uh, sulfur crested cockroaches that I walk past every single... <laughs> they weren't there this morning. I don't know where they were. Maybe they were uh, at the beach. Maybe at the <laughs> wise cockatoos. <laughs> okay. Uh, dear listeners, today I have an article to share with you. It's from the Washington Post, and it's entitled, Is Religion Good for You? This was um, published in on October 12th, 2023. And it says... A new report from Gallup finds that religious people around the world report being more positive, have more social support, and are more involved in their communities than those who are not religious. Interesting. And that's why I thought I'd share this with our listeners. It says the study, based on 10 years of data, also finds the well-being of religious people varies from country to country and is often um, hard to measure. Even if researchers find that religion is good for you, people who are not religious may not care about its benefits or want anything to do with it. Mm. But at least the, the information is is there. Oh, it's there. Mm. There is the link between uh, spirituality and health is uh, is being documented time and time again. Yes, yes. So very interesting. Gallup World poll data from 2012 to 2022 find on a number of well-being measures – that people who are religious have better well-being than people who are not. The study included data about nine aspects of people's lives, from their positive interactions with others and their social life to their civic engagement and physical health. Each of the nine indexes included a score of 0 to 100 based on answers to a series of questions. Uh, for the positive experience index, respondents were asked questions such as, did you smile or laugh today? And were you treated with respect? For civic engagement, they were asked questions about whether they gave to charity or helped a stranger. The physical health index 
um, asked if they had health issues that kept them from doing things people their age usually do and whether they were in physical pain. For community basics, they were asked about housing and infrastructure. So it's, it includes almost all aspects of, of life. Then it says here, these are, these are where the numbers come. Religious people scored higher on five of Gallup's, in, Gallup's indexes. Social life, 77.6 compared to 73.7 for non-religious people. Positive experience, 69 to 65. Uh, community basics, 59.7 to 55.6. Optimism, 49.4 to 48.4. And civic engagement, 35.8 to 31. Um, now, you may think that this is almost the same, not much of a difference, but only one point, as we will read soon, makes a lot of difference. It means a lot of people. Mm. They scored, um, it says here, they scored about the same as non-religious people in two indexes, a life evaluation of whether they were thriving or suffering and their local economic confidence. In, in these two areas, they scored almost the same, religious people and non-religious. Then it says religious people scored lower on two indexes, negative experience and physical health. Um, and it says here the differences between religious and non-religious people were most prominent in highly religious countries. Researchers noted that even even small differences can have a significant impact on a global scale. That's what I was mentioning before. It says here, each one-point difference in index scores between religious and non-religious people represents an effect for an estimated 40 million adults worldwide, according to their report. For example, the four-point difference between religious and non-religious people on the positive experience index means that an estimated 160 million more adults worldwide have positive experiences than would be the case in those uh, if those adults were not religious. Mm. Uh, the report suggests religion and spirituality could be a possible asset in dealing with the mental health crisis in many countries. Uh, that's interesting because the Bible claims that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard mm. your hearts and minds. So they are finding that uh, religion has That's something exactly to do. That's exactly the case. However, they noted the number of people interest, interested in or involved in religion, unfortunately, is declining. Jeff Jones, Gallup Hall Senior Editor, said measuring the impact of religion and spirituality on wellness is complicated, especially as people become less religious and the way they practice spirituality changes or evolves. With the changing nature of religious landscapes and spiritual practice, it can, it can make quanti quantitative measurement amid the changes challenging, as the traditional forms of spirit spirituality, namely attending formal religious services, are becoming less common and people are seeking other ways to fulfill their spiritual needs. That's what Jones said in an email. The report, which also includes quotes from experts and a review of past research on the connection between wellness and religion, notes that even as researchers become more aware of the positive outcomes of religion, people are less interested in religion around the world. That is 
um, sad to hear because mm. even when we see the evidence that this is something beneficial, a lot of people are not interested, unfortunately. While they have no polling data on the decline of religion, the report suggests several causes for that decline, including growing polarization that pits religious and non-religious people against each other. Non-religious people at times see religious people as a threat. Religious people, especially from larger faith groups, can um, use their power in ways that others see as harmful. And then there's a uh, a quote here that says, uh, religious groups and individuals, particularly from the dominant religious groups in a society who are hostile to other religious groups, may promote a cultural context that is harmful to the well-being of those outside the group. Resentment towards the dominant group may also tune people out, uh, out to their messages, both those that are harm, harmful uh, but also those that are helpful. That's the what the report states. I just thought it was interesting, you know, to to find this evidence of what a relationship with God can actually do mm. for us, mm. not only emotionally, but you know, in all aspects, uh, physically. Yeah, this is this is something, Ricardo. I think that is uh, overlooked because uh, today you you certainly go to you know the average average secular person and uh, the, the the struggles and the stress that they are carrying. It is a non stop lifestyle. You know, it yes. just uh, it, it's like uh, those uh, those proverbial uh, mice uh, on the on the mice wheel. You know, it's just simply mm. running forever, seven mm. days a week, twenty four. Uh, uh, hours a day and uh, just never able uh, to actually yes. slow down and stop even on Christmas day you turn around and on mm. Christmas day you uh, you know you have all the family uh, come together and on so many uh, with so many people even Christmas day with family is a uh, is a is a day that is that is fraught with tension it is um, indeed. And then the next day comes along. What day is that? Well, it's called Boxing Day for good reason, actually. <laughs> um, uh, people uh, return their boxes, as to how the, how the phrase actually comes around, back to uh, uh, back to the shops. And the shops mm. are wide open again, and the life just mm. uh, j- just keeps going. No sitting down to smell the roses. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know there is something about smelling the roses? You know, one of the things I, I really love. You know, pe- people don't realise how much I really enjoy my my morning. Morning walk uh, to be able to to walk first thing in the morning and to be able to worship while I'm while I'm walking. Uh, it is actually mm-hmm. a very beautiful experience, particularly mm-hmm. as the sun is just rising up over the horizon. But you know, one of the things that I, I'm just so conscious of is that the Bible actually lays down some principles that, if those principles mm-hmm. are followed, uh, what you find is that uh, is that you have a a way of life. Life that is um, that, that challenges everything about the contemporary secular world that we're living yes. in. You know, um, you know. I mean, Christ Christ makes a, a beautiful statement. You know, uh, you shall know the truth, and the mm. truth mm. will make you. What's the last word? Free. It, free. The truth will make you free. Mm. Uh, you know, so many people don't actually realise the significance of the truth making you free. Now, you know, to me, I've actually written that up, you know, on some of the meetings that I've, I've certainly taken as a 
bit of an equation. Uh, that means that, you know, if I have more truth, I actually have more freedom. Truth, mm-hmm. more freedom. The two are linked together. Now, that means that, for example, if I discover the truth about, uh, for example, um, grace, um, God's grace to me, mm-hmm. what do I, what freedoms does that give me? Well, Ooh, from guilt. Guilt gives me peace. Mm-hmm. It gives me peace at that point. If I discover a God's God's truth about where this world is going, mm-hmm. what does that give me? Hope for the future. That mm-hmm. gives me incredible hope for the future. Mm-hmm. More truth, more freedom. You know, if I discover God's truth about a a Sabbath, and there is a truth about the Sabbath, mm-hmm. uh, then what do I find? Well, I find freedom to rest. And blessings on that day. And blessing. You know, to me, the more I dig into this, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When you mm. understand, the more truth you understand, the free, the freer mm. you become until, you know, that's why the, the fruit of the spirit is actually uh, listed in, in Galatians chapter five. You know, mm-hmm. the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, mm. kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know, mm. against these there's no law. Do you know? I don't know about you, Ricardo, but in uh, in your um, in your in my ministry, I've come across many, many people who say, hey, "Look, I I want to be free, uh, but I want to be able to be free to do my own thing. You exactly. know, I want to be able to be free to uh, to jump into um, a next door neighbor's bed. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, every single time I've seen that happen, I'll tell you what happens." Uh, that individual might th- find themselves free uh, for a short period of time. Yes. But even at that time, the uh, the partner, uh, the children, the friends uh, are distraught. They get pain, suffering, mm. heartache. Uh, they are they are knocked around big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because a person has exercised freedom in a selfish manner. Now, mm. if in fact you exercise freedom in a selfish manner, what you will do is only have uh, have a a thing called pain mm. as the end result. But mm-hmm. you know, I I just love and to me this article just really says so much to to, to me uh, because you shall know the truth and the truth is what will make you free. Amen. That, to me, Amen. is in fact uh, the message of that article uh, to me. But I'm preaching a sermon. I shouldn't stop preaching. I can see lots of people have been experiencing that freedom. Sadly, a lot of people understand the word freedom as, like you said, doing what they want. I yes. do what I want because I have freedom. No, that's not the freedom that this verse and Jesus were talking about, but it's freedom uh, from our own sinful nature so that we're no longer slaves to uh, you know, our sinful natures. Indeed. And indeed. that is the freedom that we all need. Yeah, uh, indeed. And, and look, in the world, in, in world in which I, we live where, uh, particularly mental health disease, mm. uh, and depression are really starting to abound, uh, one of the, the things that I'm just so conscious of is that scripture actually argues from cause to effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we see the effects of sin, but uh, so often uh, individuals are not prepared to go from cause through to effect. What Scripture does is points out what the cause is of so much of the pain and suffering in our world. Address the cause 
and the uh, the end result uh, is something totally mm. different to what you uh, what you're currently carrying. That's a blessing because even if we have uh, if we go through difficult situations, just the fact of being able to to share that with God in prayer that That's gives it. us peace, even though we haven't seen the solution yet. But we know that that. God is working at indeed, that. Indeed, indeed. That is yes. amazing. That is a privilege. Okay, dear friends, let's go. Let's come to some music. And we have Matt Manicus with What Heavenly Music. Senses like sweet melody Tis the voice of the angels Born soft on the air For me they are singing Their welcome I hear Matt Minicus with What Heavenly Music. Our giveaway for this week is the book Chosen by Grace by Stuart Tyner. 
Um, he recognizes great art, but above all, he knows and values having been chosen by grace. Is the biblical doctrine of the remnant about you and me, or is it about God? Is it about our determined efforts to obey and overcome, or is it about God's active commitment to give us the gift of salvation? That uh, is a, some of the uh, what this book is covering. This is an informed, refreshing, and much-needed book for today. You know, dear listeners, as I was going through the titles of the chapters of this book, I find it really, really interesting. I'm going to get one for myself as well. The difference is that you, dear listeners, can get a free copy of this book. All you need to do is text us um, on 04888-80811, the code SA140, SA for South Australia, all capitals, SA140, no spaces. And you will get a free copy of this book, Chosen by Grace, by Stuart Tyner. You can also text that number with your questions or comments at any time, as we would love to hear about your um, your views or perspectives about the topic of um, that we do here at Drive Time. All right. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A right across Australia with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor Gary. He is the pastor of Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're going through the theme, Contemporary Israel and Ancient Prophecies. Is there a link? And the big question for today is, was God's purpose for Israel irrevocable? Gary, do you think... Um, God's plans for literal Israel, are they unconditional to what they did? Or Yeah, look, this is, a, to me, Ricardo, this is a, a really a significant question. Now, look, can I, can I firstly, I, I suppose, just background us just a little bit, because I'm just really conscious that on, on first glance, uh, this might seem to be a somewhat, uh, what we call it, irrelevant to mm. our contemporary world. Uh, yet, uh, to me, one of the things I'm just really conscious of is that uh, if I read the religious press right now, um, there are so many writers who are starting to look at the Israel-Gaza conflict as a mm. something of a harbinger, I suppose, mm-hmm. of Israel's final and complete renewal. And of course, uh, the reason that they do that is because they're picking up certain promises that occur in the Old Testament and they're, uh, they're interpreting them in a way that I would actually challenge them because I don't think it's the entire council of scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just so important. Let me just give you an illustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, uh, right now I've actually, um, this is just one of those uh, articles. There was a, uh, there was one in uh, one of the religious press. Four miracle prophecies Christians should know about Israel, and um, uh, and this is this is a couple of the paragraphs from that article. I want to help in understanding the present and the future because there is uh, Bible prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Keep your eyes on Zion, God's holy land. As the Jew goes, so goes the world. The Jews are God's yardstick, God's outline. God's blueprint for what he's up to in the rest of the world. And the land of Israel, I believe, 
is the most important spot on earth. The most important city is not Washington or Moscow or uh, but Jerusalem. The most important land, believe it or not, is not America, but tiny Israel about the size of New Jersey. Now, you know, this isn't just, this is just one article out of many that you can actually pull, uh, pull up. Uh, but right now, particularly with the, uh, with the uh, Israel Gaza war and, and don't we hope that that doesn't spread? Uh, do you know, um, one, I, I must say before we actually proceed, uh, you know, Ricardo, that my heart goes out, uh, to, uh, to the people on both sides of this conflict. Yeah. Uh, so many innocent lives are so many destroyed. innocent lives being destroyed. You know, you know. Sometimes we say, you know, look, who's right, who's wrong. Uh, look, uh, to me, as I as I look at this, you know, should should Israel have uh, uh, have been attacked? Most certainly not. Most certainly not. Uh, do they have a right to to respond? Well, according to what uh, the, um, uh, the the dictates of this world, uh, perhaps they they might have. But you know, one of the things I'm just so conscious of is this: uh, is that um, on both sides there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are just simply wanting to get on with living their daily life. You know, men and women and children. You know, when I think of even the uh, the whole uh, area of uh, of Gaza, there, you know, two and a half million people. You know, uh, maybe fighters, maybe forty thousand people, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you you look at the other uh, two point four million people who you know aren't involved in this conflict, men, women, and children. Yeah. Uh, you know, I my prayer. Uh, is for uh, certainly the civilian population. Uh, my my prayer is that this does not extend beyond where it's at at the moment. What a tragedy! They they don't know where to go. They're trapped. They are trapped. They, they don't want tra- to be in that war, but exactly, but they are. exactly. And you know, you know, I I believe as Christians, our hearts can only go out uh, to those who are suffering on on both sides. That's where our prayers need to be. But look, that's that's by the side. The thing that I'm just picking up, however, in the religious press is that uh, there are um, there are there are many Christian writers who are who are saying, "Hey, look, you know that in reality, this is a harbinger." Of uh, things that are going to come, you know, Israel's going to take its place in the world as a result of of these things. Do you know? To me, that's not what the scriptures are actually saying. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, that's my personal view. Do you know? Yesterday, you know, so today we're asking this question: Was God's purpose for Israel irrevocable? And of course, yesterday we looked at God's purpose for Israel, uh, and we looked at this entire issue that uh, God called Abraham. Uh, in order to bless all countries uh, of the of the world, but then we notice something really uh, really interesting. Uh, we notice that Abraham didn't actually have one son; he had two sons, mm-hmm. and yet uh, the promise went uh, to uh, um, Isaac, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, through the um, uh, the second son. You know, it was. At that point that you find uh, both sons, both are full sons of Abraham, but only one is blessed. The, the point is this, is that only that Abraham 
is linked to and Isaac are the people of God because they have been blessed by God. Just because you are a child of Abraham doesn't mean that you have the blessing of God. But that was that was yesterday. Today, uh, we, we, we noticed as well yesterday that the plan for God was to use his people to touch the entire world, if you like, to evangelize mm-hmm. the entire world. Today we ask this question, God's purpose for Israel, was it irrevocable? Because certainly those that are writing articles today looking at the restoration of Israel are in fact suggesting that God's promises to Israel are irrevocable. Now, let's let's look at, you know, let's come back to this God's purpose for Israel thing. You know, I want you to imagine that these people are actually camped at Sinai where Moses camped um, in order to uh, to meet and the, meet with God. And they, they told him to, to go and say to the people, uh, and, and it's actually found in uh, Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 19, uh, and uh, God says uh, through Moses uh, these words, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Uh, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, you know, it's actually really, it's really easy to actually pick up that particular promise, but to overlook the first word. That first word is so key. Now, if you fully obey me. Now, what is if? What does that actually mean? Condition. It's a it's a condition that's being placed in a promise by God. Now, this is something that uh, to me I, um, I I look at and I say, you know, the contemporary Bible believer often misses a thing that uh, in theology is called conditional prophecy. Now, mm-hmm. you're a theologian, uh, Ricardo. What is this thing, r- conditional prophecy? What is that? It, well, it's a promise or a, a prophecy that depends on a response, okay, of a group of people or a, an individual. Okay, and now, now in this one here, uh, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, uh, then I will call you out from amongst all nations. Mm. Now. I, I believe here that the really significant word is if, and it, it is actually an incredibly overlooked word in the Bible. It means that God's promise to to deliver Israel would be conditional mm-hmm. upon their obedience to him. If, in fact, they did not obey him, then his promise would be negated. Now, it's really interesting. If you jump to a Moses' last sermon in, um, uh, this is at that, that, that condition was actually given at the time of the giving of the Ten Commandments. We jump about 40 years later now. After 40 years of wandering around the wilderness, we find the nation of Israel, uh, God's people, of course, on the bank of the, the Jordan River. They're, wait, they're waiting for the command. They're just wanting to, to get across uh, that, uh, that river into the promised land. And mm-hmm. what a, I just imagine what a day that was, uh, that actually was. Uh, you know, there's, there was literally, there was excitement right through the entire, uh, entire nation. But what you find in Deuteronomy, and of course, Deuteronomy is, uh, written by Moses, but what he's doing is at right the very end of his life, and he's actually, uh, rehearsing 
uh, God's wonderful works to his people uh, right uh, through his life. If you like, it's his last testament to his people. Um, and Matthew, um, um, Deuteronomy 28 and 1-2 says this, and this is how he's recording what God had said to him. And if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, mm-hmm. the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. If you obey, there it is again, the voice of the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. Do you know, this is the thing that um, so many so many times the promises in the Old Testament to Israel are actually quoted, but they're not actually quoted in the context uh, in which they were actually given because often the very next chapter will actually will actually uh, clarify the promises and say these things are applicable if you follow me That's if right. you obey me but if you disobey me what's going to happen the opposite the opposite's going to happen mm. you know and, and to me uh, this this is so key to understanding this uh, issue of uh, god's purpose for israel because uh, what i'm suggesting is that it wasn't actually irrevocable yes there were promises to israel but they were not irrevocable. If you obey, and in many ways we almost need to underline, you know, the word if, if. in our Bibles, uh, mm-hmm. because if is a conditionality, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, to me, I, um, in, in fact, I, I love, you know, um, second Chronicles 7.14, and I actually shared a little bit about this last, just this last Sabbath. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a conditionality if. in there as well. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. It's an if-then clause. And we actually pointed out, you know, on Sabbath that, you know, and in in English grammar, um, if-then is called the conditional clause. It's Mm -hmm. repetitiously used in the uh, Old Testament, and that is actually how it's translated. Um, but so often, uh, Bible students have actually overlooked this conditionality, yes. that word, that word if, and it's leading huge portions of the Christian world uh, down the wrong, uh, the wrong direction. And just, just consider uh, what you find there in Deuteronomy 28. And please, folks, uh, go to your Bible, have a look at uh, Deuteronomy 28. If you obey, uh, only they would get great blessings. They'd be established in the promised land. That's verse mm. 3. They'd have great wealth and agriculture. Their crops would grow taller. Their cattle were fatter than any others. That's verse 4. Their enemies would be destroyed. That's verse 7. There'd be no sickness. Their babies wouldn't get sick and die. That was verse 11. You know, you get all these incredible promises. All these blessings. All these blessings are going to come, but it's all if you follow my way. It's interesting how the the Ten Commandments were exalted before the people of Israel were taken into the promised land. And in the same way, they will be exalted by God's people before God's people are taken to heaven. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's so significant. You know, um, 
you know, and God's purpose, of course, if, if we actually dig into the word, is that um, representatives of other nations would actually mm. recognize the fact that, hey, you know, uh, the Israel's got some secrets here. And mm-hmm. maybe they'd send their ambassadors over mm-hmm. uh, to have a look at, uh, at God's people, yep. to discover the secrets of her greatness. They'd learn about Israel's God. That was mm. the ultimate purpose for Israel. Mm. To be the uh, light of the world. To be the light of the world. You know, Christians have actually been called to today, you know, you are the light yes. of the world. Yes. You know, that's what Christ says, but he says it about the Christian church. And also Peter did the same with the words of Exodus 19, that you are the chosen people, a holy nation, etc. Uh, Peter uses the same terminology in, in words and applies it to the Christian church. Exactly. No exactly. longer to and, and to me, alone. This is so important because we're going to come back to that, uh, this mm-hmm. later because this is something that's incredibly significant within the Word of God. Uh, what uh, what we're finding here is that while God's purpose was uh, to Israel is that she might be a light to the nations. What Christ does, they didn't obey the conditions mm-hmm. and what Christ does is actually reinterprets it and turns around and says, hey, are you are the light of the world. What's he actually doing in that? Now, we're going to get, dig more into the New Testament in uh, later later in the week because Paul tells some remarkable um, uh, some remarkable um, statements um, about this particular um, about this particular issue. Uh, now, um, uh, let's uh, uh, let's keep uh, keep keep going. Um, very interesting topic indeed. Yeah. Uh, look, I just wonder—is it worth us coming to a bit of music there? Um, and uh, we will come back in just a just a moment. Sure, good idea. So next up is Chris Rice with "What a Friend We Have in Jesus." What a friend we have in Jesus. Our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not care and temptations Is there trouble anywhere We should never be discouraged Take it to the Lord in prayer Can we find a friend so faithful Who will all our sorrows share knows our every weakness Take it to the Lord in prayer Are we weak and heavy laden Cumbered with a load of care Precious Savior still our refuge Take it to the Lord in prayer 
friends despise forsake you take it to the Lord in prayer in his arms he'll take and shield you you will find a solace there what a privilege to carry everything to God in That was Chris Rice with What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Dear listeners, our giveaway for this week is the book Chosen by Grace by Stuart Tyner. And uh, you can get a free copy. All you need to do is text us the code SA140, no spaces, S for, uh, SA for South Australia, 140 on 04888808. This looks like a very, very interesting book. Um, Stuart Tyner recognizes great art, but above all, he knows and values having been chosen by grace. Isn't that a good topic? Being chosen by grace. God's grace is what saves, and we're all invited. So it says here in the book, Is the biblical doctrine of the remnant about you and me, or is it about God? Is it about our determined efforts to obey and overcome? Or is it about God's active commitment to give us the gift of salvation? It is good to understand that salvation is a gift that we can all uh, be benefited from. This is an informed, refreshing, and much-needed book for today. Please text us in uh, the code SA140 on 04888-808-11. And, of course, you can always text that number with any comments or questions that you may have. And we are always looking forward to hearing from you. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time BQ&A with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor Gary here in the studio. He's uh, uh, ministering at Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're following the theme, Contemporary Israel and Ancient Prophecies. Is there a link? And the question that we are dealing with today is, was God's purpose for Israel irrevocable? So, um, Pastor Gary, what else can we um, conclude from this yeah, topic? No, look, I, look, I, look, I really appreciate what, what uh, you know, what's, uh, uh, what you've actually shared. That, uh, that book there particularly, you know, to me, I just recommend it to listeners. I'd love to be able to put that in everyone's hand. Uh, please, uh, folks, if you want to get a, a really great book, why not uh, grab uh, that, uh, that offer uh, today? Now, you know, so far we've actually looked, you know, Ricardo, at this, uh, this issue that the promises, so many of the promises to Israel in the Old Testament were in fact conditional. They were based, they were connected with that little word if. If you are uh, obedient to, to my way, then you will receive all these blessings. Now, it's really interesting. If you go to uh, Deuteronomy 28, and Deuteronomy is a book that is worth reading uh, simply by virtue of the fact that it is Moses, we believe, last sermon. This is what he is sharing with his people just before he dies. He's an old 
man. Uh, and he's sharing the way God has led. Uh, Deuteronomy is really worth a, worth a read. But you know, if you go right to the end of that book, uh, Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 28 verse 15, what Moses does is starts to dig into the issue of if you do not obey, you know, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do his commandments and his statutes, which I've commanded you this day, then all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And what Moses then chooses to do is to actually identify and say what's going to happen uh, if the people do not follow the way of the, the Lord. Mm-hmm. You see, blessings is one thing, but let's also look at the curses. Now, uh, this is what uh, uh, what he says you'll be cursed in the city you'll be cursed in the country mm. the fruit of your womb will be cursed the crops of your land the calves of your herds and the lamb, the lambs of your flocks will be cursed the Lord will plague you with diseases until he's destroyed you from the land that you are entering to possess the Lord will strike you with wasting disease with fever and inflammation uh, the Lord will afflict you with boils with tumours with festering sores with the itch uh, from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness and confusion of mind. Even the environment uh, will be affected with scorching heat and drought. You know, to me, the thing that I look at here, when God withdraws his promises It's amazing what happens. In fact, let me put this into New Testament language. When God withdraws his Holy Spirit or people reject the Holy Spirit, a change happens in their life. Uh, You see, God will not work where he is not wanted. Mm-hmm. And to me, this, I believe, is one of the great principles of Scripture. In fact, you know, to me, I don't know, uh, what do you think, think, Ricardo, but to me it almost sounds like a report of life around the globe today. It's right. It's completely correct. Yeah. You know, to me, as I look at it, you know, as I, I look at today's problems, you know, to, to me, what it says to me is that today's problems are not going to be solved by politicians. Uh, they're actually going to be solved uh, through the word of God, through Jesus Christ himself. You know, it's when the human heart is changed that then the thinking processes are changed. When the thinking processes are changed, the acts change and mm. all of a sudden the blessings of God flow onto me. Now, mm-hmm. uh, is it because God is willfully uh, saying like uh, uh, maybe some lightning, you know, lightning bolt, hey, you know, you've done the wrong thing, bang, you know, here it is. That's not actually how I see it. Uh, I, I believe God is actually working uh, through through his Holy Spirit. And yes. uh, uh, if, in fact, you follow the principles uh, that uh, the Lord God mm-hmm. has laid down, then what will occur is you will be abundantly blessed. But if you choose to go the opposite way, you will be cursed. So we're suffering the consequences of our choices. Uh, it's not that, so we've driven him away over our lives, basically. Exactly. We're suffering exactly. the consequences of that. Exactly. So but the solution is not to, to force God into our lives, but to, like God does, to present the option, this is life, this is death. Yes. Choose life. 
That's right. God is a God who will not use force. And to me, that principle is so important that we pick up in our Bible reading because repetitiously you find that to be the case. But you know, finally the last curse Moses mentions in, uh, uh, in Deuteronomy 28, it's actually found in uh, verse uh, 64. And the Lord will scatter you amongst all peoples from one end of earth to the other. Uh, do you know, this is, on one hand, you've got all these blessings that are going to occur mm-hmm. if you obey. If, however, you don't obey, if, in fact, you you refuse to follow my principles, then these are the curses that are going to end up on your head. Blesses, blessings and cursings seem to be uh, balanced here and either both of them arise from the uh, from the the the, the acts of humanity mm-hmm. uh, now um, to me um, unfortunately we actually know what the sad story really is throughout Israel's entire history uh, the nation of Israel actually refused to to obey God. They were constantly wanting to be like the rest of the world. Instead of God's chosen people, rather than God's chosen people, the, you know, the, the, the kingdom of God. Uh, when God wanted to be their king, he, they actually rejected him and selected a man, uh, to be king so that they could be like all the other nations. You know, God is pushed aside, humanity is put in place. But the people refused to listen to the prophet Samuel. They said, we want a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and he will fight our battles for us. <laughs> you know, here, here are these, these statements. Uh, do you know, uh, you know, but, to me, Ricardo, if I actually come to the into the New Testament, Christ actually tells a parable because he actually reflects on this situation. And to me, the parable is actually found in Matthew twenty-one, and this is what uh, what um, what Christ says: uh, There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, and he rented the vineyard to some farmers, and they uh, and went away on a long journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. He sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son... They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Mm. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, You have, have you not read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Therefore, I tell you, this kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Now, you know, to me, I believe it's just so significant that God was calling on Israel to be light way back there in Deuteronomy. They failed to measure up to uh, to being light. Uh, but here what we find in the New Testament is you find this situation where God calls the, the church 
you mm-hmm. are the light of the world, a city mm-hmm. set on the hill. You know, as I move into the Apostle Paul, uh, what I find is that he actually describes the Christian church. He actually apportions the promises that were given to Israel to the Christian church. Now, um, what, what we, so how do we all bring all these things together? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's just, just pull it together. Um, Moses actually um, went on uh, to say, if I can just reflect in in Deuteronomy 30 again, uh, when you and your children return to the Lord, your God, and obey him with all your heart, with all your soul, and according to everything I command you, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you. Now, there are many who would turn around today and just simply say, hey, look, you know, uh, yes, uh, the people uh, were abandoned by God, but when, uh, but God is going to restore their fortunes. But notice what it actually says. When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes, have compassion on you, and gather you again, if you like, to Israel. So what does that where does that leave us? What must Israel first do before God can gather them back to the land of Israel? Israel must return to God and obey him. Uh, while it's true that there's a nation of Israel to do today, they don't enjoy the peace that God has promised them, the peace that can only come through the Holy Spirit in the heart, surrendered to Jesus Christ. Israel today is under the constant threat and is right now in the situation of warfare. They are in turmoil. There's destruction occurring. It's totally dependent on the aid from other nations in order to survive. Even if the guns weren't there, they would have no peace because Israel is a nation that does not know God. Over 90% of her people are atheists and never even darken the synagogue door. They do not know Jesus Christ. And Mm -hmm. until they come to him, they can't receive the blessings that Mm -hmm. God has promised to those who obey, those who love him and serve him. But Israel is a nation but Israel is a nation in the land today. How could God gather a disobedient nation into the land? Tomorrow, we actually want to dig into that particular question. I think it's actually vitally important. I suppose to me, what I'm trying to simply say today is, is there a valid basis uh, for saying that uh, Israel according to the scriptures, is going to be gathered back to the land of Israel? I don't believe there is, actually, because just as there were blessings, so there were cursings. Mm-hmm. And and as I read the scriptures, currently there is no indication that the conditions have been mm-hmm. met yes. for a return and a rebuilding of Israel. Interesting topic indeed. Uh, the conditions still remain there for uh, they haven't been fulfilled uh, by the people of Israel in in, the, in Bible history, unfortunately. 
That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's the thing that I think that particularly when you're dealing with, uh, you know, some of the articles that are floating in the religious world today, you know, I mean, that, that article I read that I did actually read earlier, um, you know, the, um, uh, the author did say, uh, I want, uh, to help, uh, understanding the present and the future because there is Bible prophecy mm-hmm. yet to be fulfilled. Well, uh, the, uh, there is Bible prophecy there, but there are conditions connected yes, to it. Yes, yes, and yes. as I see those conditions, those conditions have not been mm. met, that I will return to the Lord. And you know, currently, Israel is being built up by the arm of humanity mm. and by the strength of arms. Uh, there's been no return to the Lord God. Uh, the article went on to say, keep your eyes on Zion, God's holy land. As the Jew goes, so goes the world. Well, I'm not actually convinced mm. that's the case because uh, to me, as I read certainly the Apostle Paul, and we're going to come to this uh, just as tomorrow, what I find is that he talks about the Christian church inheriting the promises that have actually been given to that Israelite nation. And who is a Jew, really? A Jew is one who is one of the promise, uh, not one who is one physically. You're that, Christ's. If you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed mm-hmm. and heirs according Amen. to the promise. Very good. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate your input, your insight. This was a very interesting topic indeed. But it looks like our time is up for today. Um, Let's pray before we finish. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us the truth of your word in in the Bible that we have available. Lord, uh, we see that we have in your word conditional promises. Uh, help us to fulfill those requirements that we may enjoy the blessings of those promises. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, this is Pastor Ricardo, and our co-host today was Pastor Gary. Thanks for joining us on Drive Time BQ&A. Please join us tomorrow as we explore the answer to the big question, who has inherited the promises to Israel today? Until then, remember that God says... I have set I have set before you life and death therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 May God bless you This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio